This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 12, Episode 39. This is Writing Excuses, Q&A on shorter fiction. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Piper. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm glad you paid attention on that one. Yeah. I'm not sure I was awake. I'm so sorry. I was like waiting. Oh, we Piper, have never the done of that. Times, the number of times we've gotten that little tag bit wrong. Despite doing it for 10 years, we After, still oh love it. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> all you did was start a second and a half after you, Brandon expected you, you, you to. You left them waiting for it. <laughs> um, Josiah asks, oh, and I said shorter fiction because we're going to cover novellas and things, which are still kind of long, but um, how do you market short stories today? How important is it for prospective novelists to learn the short story field? And are novellas more viable now with shelf publishing? That is three questions rolled in one, Josiah, but they are good questions. Yeah, I think the... The short fiction authors that I know are really uh, marketing themselves rather than any individual story for the most part. I would agree with that. Um, and the online magazines are the primary method of doing this, I found. Whether yeah. you know, Tor.com counts, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, there's, yeah. a, there's a real boom in these sort of online, some subscription-based, some free um, web zines. Yeah, and you look at the covers of those or their mm-hmm. their web covers and what even their even what they are promoting is we have a story from this person mm-hmm. and from this person and and that's you're really selling yourself as a as a short author. I think it's important to realize that if you're selling yourself as a short author that your content has to be a consistent quality but continually surprising. People want to know what's going to come out of you next as opposed to I loved that one single short and I want more of that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when when you pick up a, sh- a short story by someone whose name you recognize, you know you're going to get a quick, awesome fix. Yes. And that's uh, that's part of what I look for, is that. Um, the other question on, are novellas more viable now with self-publishing? The answer is absolutely yes. Yep. That doesn't mean that they are a golden, um, a golden ticket, like I thought they might become, uh, in that it, the novella market was really booming for a while, uh, but we have seen... Some work and some not work, but they are certainly viable because when they the only avenues were print magazines, they could only publish one novella in the per whole magazine issue. per issue, and some didn't even do a single novella. So you you had very few places you could sell them. So any increase in that is yeah more viable than virtually nothing. Mm-hmm. Still counts, but doesn't say much. If you are if you are self pubbing, uh, the novella is kind of ideal. Because your investment in word count is lower, yes, you are more likely to hit the price point sweet spot, the two ninety nine sweet spot on Amazon, right? And a novella, serialized novellas are kind of perfect for for you know for web based for mobile based consumption. I think it is an excellent form for this, but let's reiterate: what, not a golden yeah, ticket, not a golden ticket, not, but not a golden if ticket. If you're good at the form and you can build a name for yourself you'll do all right. The problem is just releasing a novella by itself no. is going gonna, gonna to be worse than just releasing a novel because it's just, it's bite-sized. It's got yeah. it's, it's to 
market you into something, like to take the readers and funnel them toward a no, your novels or your other short fiction, or it has to be a tie-in to your novels as a bonus thing for fans. Matt Wallace's Sin Du Jour series, which I promoted in 2016, I mm-hmm. think, um, is a great example. If you're looking at the novella market, if you're looking at, you know, what can I do with serial novellas, uh, Matt Wallace's Sin Du Jour series is worth picking up and looking at because I think he has executed on the medium, on, you know, on that form really, really well. We've talked earlier this year about um, leveraging either short stories or novellas in particular to give your readers something to read in between the releases of your novels. Mm, yeah. And I've seen that approach, especially if you only have one novel per year, um, depending on how fast or um, how many different series you're juggling, um, a novella is a good option to have another taste of that story or uh, that universe come out in the same year yeah. without burning yourself out as a writer. All right. Um, Danielle asks, what are tips you have for mapping out the pacing of a short story? <laughs> well, Mary has this fantastic formula. <laughs> we talked about it with Mary yeah. um, it, um, when I was there for the Chicago team. I want to get your perspectives on this. How do you, how do you guys plot well, or map out a short story? I am not a short fiction writer, though I have done some. And what I find that I'm constantly doing is paring it down. And what that teaches me is, you know, draft after draft, this is still too long. What can be cut out and what needs to stay? And it's really showing me what the bones are and what's important to a short story. Um, I don't know if I I have great... The discovery writing a short story is... Really problematic because, uh, well, I mean, I shouldn't say it's problematic for everybody, but uh, it's fraught um, because the end, you don't, you don't know it. And the end really should only be about five or 6,000 words away from where you started. Uh, for me, plotting the pacing out means before I sit down to write, I need to know the beginning, I need to know the middle, and I need to know the end. I need to know those three things and then I'll use, you know, post-it notes or index cards or something to tell me, hey, by the 2,000 word, word mark, I have to have hit the middle. By the 4,000 word mark, I have to have hit that iconic moment that I'm, that I'm having happen in the end. That's really good advice. I like that because I've been thinking about what I do. And I, um, I'm not sure if I consider my, myself a short story writer yet. I am a novella writer. But I do have three short stories in my collection that came out last year. So mm-hmm. I'm figuring this one out. And I figure out for me, as normally um, a longer fiction writer, um, a novella, I can just write a short version of what I already do. And it works really well. I pare down the subplots. I focus on the meat of one thing. And I do a 25,000-word novel is basically what I'm doing. Short stories are different. Short stories are not a shorter novel. Short stories yeah. are their own thing, um, at least in, and so for what I'm doing is I really have to know what my ending is, and I have to contain the way I'm pointed at that. I say, this is the thing that the zing, the zip, the pow I want to have at the end of this story, and every little piece needs to only be pointed at that pow. We're not pointed at the Mm -hmm. character arc, we're pointed at the pow. If the character arc is the pow, then that's fine, but everything has to be focused on that, and that is how I make them work. 
as a twist on that because mm-hmm. I do all of those things where I need to know the start, the middle, the end. And I really have to keep my focus on what's that end and get there post-haste in a short story. I'm thinking because I'm a romance author, who are the people that are my involved in my romantic element? How are they going to survive the challenge? How are they going to react to the challenge? There has to be not only a climax, but a black moment for that couple where there's a chance that they're not going to get together. And then by the end, I have to make it so they resolve their end game and also get together at least believably, whether that's going to be a happily ever after. If that's not believable, I won't do it. I'll have to put something in their background to make it believable that they're going to end up together or I settle for a happily for now where they're going to explore the relationship further in their future. So um, Sarah asks, how short is too short for short fiction? Thank there you. are Flash Fiction Fridays that fit on Twitter. Oh, my gosh. Posts. Yeah, there, there was a Twitter. There was a good Twitter one that you posted. Uh, well, our friend, our, our good friend Eric James Stone, for a long time, I don't know if he still does it, his business card has Flash Fiction on the back of it. Yeah, uh, I'm planning brilliant. To, to talk a lot about that in a future podcast. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it was one of the things that blew my mind when he handed me the card, and then I flipped it over. There was a complete story on the back. It was great. Yeah, I really admire flash fiction, and I love to see flash fiction paired with amazing artwork or photography that maybe inspired or spoke to the flash fiction. All right, so um, Aya Aya asks, is publishing sections from a novel a viable way to get traction for that novel, or is there a better way to break in if you want a novel published? Ooh, in what sense is she talking? Yeah. I'm anticipating that she's like, should I take my novel and do it serialized or things like this? And we are going to talk serialized storytelling coming up. Um, so watch for those podcasts. That'll be, that'll be next month. Um, but I would suggest that publishing sections from a novel, if you want to try that, look at Dragonflight by Anne McCaffrey which she actually published the first few chapters because they made their own arc in one of the magazines, won the Hugo for that, and then released the full novel. No, it's it, not what happened with Ender's Game, where it was a short story first that he expanded. Okay, she that's expanded. what I was going to ask. Yeah. It was actually a section from a planned novel, as I understand it, hmm. that has the beginning, middle, and end, and is kind of the introduction of a woman you know, joining the Dragon Riders. Yeah. And then the whole main story is her experiences there. Interesting. Historically, uh, the short fiction market, and when I say historically, I'm talking about, you know, middle 20th century, the short fiction market was a low investment method for a new writer to introduce themselves to editors. The editor only has to spend about 15 minutes uh, to read the entire submission to see if this person can tell a story. And so the short fiction market was, for many people, the only way to break in. It's the only way to introduce yourself. That is no longer, that is no longer the case. Yeah. But, but in some cases, that, it, it may, it may I still mean, work. Pat Rothfuss, Name of the Wind, won the Writers of the Future contest as an excerpt. It does happen. Let me warn you, as we have said um, earlier this month, write, read this 
genre if you want to write it. Yeah. Don't just be like, well, I'm a novel writer. I'm going to start, you know, bullying in and having my novel stuff, you know, try to mm-hmm. try to get it published. It, read the short fiction magazines. If you yeah. have something that's an extra novel that'll fit, it happens all the time. But it happens because the person knows short fiction, has been reading short fiction, and is able to present a piece that works for the magazine's needs. Um, the magazines are not a promotional opportunity. Well, they are an opportunity for you, but they're, they don't exist to promote you. They mm-hmm. exist to provide great experiences for their readers by authors who know the format. Um, and if you can do that, great. If you can't, then you don't need to. Listen to what Howard just said. Um, you know, this is, this is not a requirement. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's stop for our book of the week, which is actually Howard is going to do for us, um, Mind Over Matter. Yes. Actually, the, the title of the book you'll get it in is um, Called to Battle, Volume 2, from uh, Privateer Press's uh, Skull Island Expeditions, Expeditions. imprint. Uh, the story I wrote was called Mind Over Matter, and what they wanted was a horror story that introduced these... Uh, these mind slaver people to the reader. It's, I mean, you know, it's, it's game fiction. Um, it's designed to, you know, in, in one way, embed people further in the game, uh, the game that they're playing. Uh, but when I set out to write it, and this, one of the reasons I wanted to promote it is that, or promo it here, uh, when I set out to write it, I knew I can't just be writing for people who play the game. I have been given an assignment by this company to write this story, but I need to say enough things in the course of telling the story that people completely unfamiliar with the game setting will immediately be on board uh, with what's happening. Uh, so the anyway, the, the volume is called uh, Called to Battle Volume 2, um, and the story that I wrote is called Mind Over Matter. All right. That sounds awesome. Um, uh, let me ask you this one. Um, Richard says, what should I look for in a semi-pro market if a story has already been rejected by the major markets? And I actually have an answer for this one prepared okay. in case you guys, Let's hear because it. I was, I was looking at this and thinking, um, there are lots of great semi-pro options. Dan and I edited a semi-pro science fiction magazine. And so, um, yeah, I would say reputation mixed with editorial style. Right, you want to look for the ones that are well regarded online. At this point, with Semi Pro, you're not really looking for the money. It's going to pay you fifty bucks or something like that. They should pay, but it doesn't matter if it's a tiny amount. You want good reputation, and you want to be reading 
some of these. Pick up issues and say, hey, does the style, would my story fit in here? Mm-hmm. Um, again, don't just be blindly sending out to everything listed in writer's market. Um, you want to be part of the community and part of the conversation. I don't want to name any names, but when we worked on that magazine, there was another magazine that I guess was one step lower than semi, semi-pro mm-hmm. that uh, we had a lot of responses of people that we rejected who later got published in this other one, and they would write us kind of snide letters saying, see, it was good enough. Um, that happened like three or four times. It happened times. a lot mm-hmm. to the point that we commented on it. But, but then what we found when, we, when Brandon and I started going around to conventions and world fantasy and things and talking to editors is that professional editors at big houses knew who we were. They recognized our magazine, and they'd never heard of this other one. And so there is something to be said for reputation. Now, let me say this. Uh, My friend Jim Zub uh, used to do portfolio reviews, and he would find in portfolios that he rejected for admission into the program that he's an instructor for, where someone had done a piece of artwork on notebook paper and submitted it that way. And, And Jim's response was, guys, if you drew it on notebook paper, draw it again. If you're not willing to draw it again, this is not the market for you. If you're writing short fiction and it gets rejected, write something else. You have to be able to write it again. I agree with that 100%. At the same time, though, most professionals say, send that piece out until, you know— you are down to the cooking magazines that occasionally want, you know, send, send it out to get that experience of doing it. But and yes, for me, the, point of, diminishing, else. the mm-hmm. point of diminishing returns is if I'm spending more time pitching and submitting a story than I am spending writing stories, uh, I should probably write something new. Now, one thing I'd like to point out is that it could be hard to figure out what's the reputation of that magazine. Mm-hmm. So I would say... One really quick reference that I have is a site called Predators and Editors that you can go check it out. There's forum style and there are also lists where people share their experiences on the magazine. Now, the, the, you know, it's not a blacklist or anything like that, but the idea is that you can see what other people have experienced, what year they experienced it in, maybe that particular publisher, whether it's... Magazine I'll put, level a, I'll or put whatever. a link to that in the liner notes, and that right. there's some other resources. Yes, we often yeah. mention predators and editors and the absolute right water cooler. Yes, absolutely right. In the right. same, um, in the same, and anytime I need to investigate a publisher or a magazine, absolute right always has a thread on it where people who have actually worked with them yep. post their experiences. The issue for exactly. many new writers is I don't even know where to look to find this stuff out, and the answer is there's plenty of places to look. You just need to know what they're called. Yeah. Um, all right. Last question from Natalie. What aspects are crucial in novels but redundant in short fiction or vice versa? Never redundant, but maybe too in-depth, I would say. Page 80. <laughs> yeah. Oh, page 80. Uh, so redundant. How many books have we read that have five page 80s? Mm. All right. So here's my, my take on this. Um, one thing is in every novel— Nothing is absolutely crucial because you can break any rule. Remember that. But in every novel I do, I try to overlap major character moments of discovery with major plot elements, either uh, learning something about the world, learning something about the past, or accomplishing something. In a short story, overlapping too much of that will actually fizzle your bang rather than make your explosion larger. Yeah. Um, Also... um 
Just remember that any subplots, characters, and locations that you add are going to balloon much faster and more catastrophically in short fiction than in a novel. The prologue and the epilogue. (laughs) Your prologue basically is a short story. Your epilogue is another short story. All right. I'm going to call it um, by giving you some homework, which is I'm just going to require you to go buy a short story collection. All you novelists out there, I want you to buy one, and I actually want you to buy one that has a variety of authors in it. Uh, I don't want you this time to go buy my collection. I want you to go get Year's Best, uh, maybe Gardner Dezois' Year's Best, or I want you to get a themed anthology. Uh, one of George Martin's themed anthologies would be a great place to go. Is Uncanny, a good one to pick yeah, up. Yeah, 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 all sorts of things. Um, whatever, World. whatever, well, yeah, yeah, totally. Get one of these magazines uh, by Clark's World or Uncanny, which are fantastic magazines. Um, but get something that's got a variety of authors in it. If you haven't read one of these in the last year, this is your homework. If you have, then you get to take the week off. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, And I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 